And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you Welcome to... Everything is Potable! The Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packers fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are joined today by a special guest, the host of the, I would say, the best basketball podcast of all time. Uh, noted Celtics fan, editor in chief at Barstool Sports. Uh, you can hear him hold, on Hold Macro on, Tennessee. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Anything is possible is the greatest <laughs> basketball podcast of all time. Sorry, Coley. Uh, well, I guess Jay ruined the intro. It's Coley Mick from uh, Barstool Sports. Certainly Coley. active. Uh, definitely, I can't. I can't uh, go toe to toe with anyone active at the moment. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I appreciate that, but I wanted to give Mixtape some love because it is a, one of my favorite po- basketball podcasts ever. But, Coley, you're a, a repeated guest on Potable, and I saw you were in the building last night for the KG retirement ceremony, and I thought it was a perfect time to bring you in. We'll, talk, we'll obviously talk about the Celtics and the loss of the Mavericks and where they stand going into the kind of the playoffs. But first, I just want to get your thoughts on – the night and how you just your reactions to it and uh, everything surrounding that. So when the idea originally got floated to retire five for KG, I was super against it. Not like nothing, nothing against Mr. Garnett himself. We really just don't have that many numbers left. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm in favor of ripping a lot of them down to be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't know why more people don't want the name up there. I feel like name is way cooler than numbers. Um, But as it got closer, as it became, when was it supposed to happen? Last year, the year before? I don't remember, honestly. It was supposed to happen like sometime during the COVID year. Yeah, that one year COVID existed, right? Um, (laughs) um, As it was drawing near, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like obviously they only got the one banner but it it is really hard to quantify just the impact he like Celtics in Boston were dead dead like it was me and 15 other people in the garden when it was Gerald Green and Al Jefferson and Tony Allen and rookie Ron like it was not a team anyone in this town gave a single shit about and then the KG trade happened, and that changed. Like, they were neck and neck with the Patriots, and the Patriots were literally undefeated. Like, that's how big of a ticket Kevin Garnett was the second he showed up here. It was 
I, I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen that kind of change. Like every, he, he's just so magnetic of a personality and it was, and like Minnesota still hasn't retired his number. Right. Yeah. That's insane. Right. That's so sad, like, he, he deserved it. He deserved it from someone. And he, ever since he retired, he's associated with us so heavily, like even though it was such a short period of time relative to like Paul Pierce, for example, his impact is is second to none, really, in my entire life when it comes to Celtics basketball. So I'm I'm happy it happened. I'm happy he had his moment. Um, the one single tear as he was raising his number into the rafters was incredible. The swearing, even when he didn't have the mic, was expected. Uh, the swearing the second he got the mic, also expected. Do you uh, think it was just one tear, or was it a flow of tears in the same stream? Because... So he- I feel like it was it was like a river coming down his cheek. <laughs> well, it could mix with the sweat he had going from basically four hours before the game. He that's true. Like throughout the entire ceremony, he kept exhaling very sharply, almost halting his tears, like dead in their tracks. And then that, that's why I think it was just one. It was one really heavy one, like cartoonishly large <laughs> tear. But I do think it was just one, and it was one that had built up over the four hours. That's I had so much, so much trouble describing the scene when Garnett was coming out, like for the first time of the the ceremony after the game, because. He came out in a way that you knew how much it meant to him. And he was inhaling, exhaling, like looking around. Like you could tell it, it meant so much to him. But every time I tried to describe it, I was like, this doesn't do it justice. Right. And then I, I kind of decided, like, no matter what, you just kind of have to be there to feel Garnett's intensity and the energy. And no matter what words I chose, I was just not going to be able to described to people that like his looks up and the way he was breathing <laughs> made it very clear that he was like super intense and, and super emotional in that moment. And, and I believe him when he was like, I didn't realize you guys fucked with me like this, which a is insane, but B like I, since it's after the game, which is something I want to address at some point, since it's after the game and the way it lo- that game ended so anticlimactically, I feel like he thought it was going to be like the lower bowl, maybe full. Like, I think he was shocked. It was still as like no one, not a single person left. No one. Oh, and it was, it was packed from like, I'm am stuck on the, on the ninth floor because uh, the Celtics don't respect me, but there were, mm-hmm. that was packed with fans like for the entire time and throughout his ceremony. Like this was, probably the biggest ticket in for the Celtics this entire season. Like it was the most intense atmosphere just, and I think it had an impact on, on the game and we'll get to the totally badass Jalen Brown dunk, which is not going to get remembered as it should because they lost the game, but it was definitely like juiced up and um, it's kind of wild. He didn't realize that like it was going to be that way, but that just like goes to show you the huge impact that he did have uh and actually, like, creating some sort of winning culture for the team. And it's crazy because when you look back, like, he was there for six years. One of those, he got hurt in the middle of it and didn't play for the rest of the season. Uh, another of those, his last year, they were just, like, 500, run-of-the-mill, Rondo got hurt, 
a lot went wrong and got beaten in the first round. And he still very much deserved his Jersey retirement, you know, like, so it was basically four and a half good years. And, and still the, the level of transformation that he led. And I think one part that stood out of the ceremony was Paul Pierce saying, you changed the culture. You were the one who, who brought Celtic pride back. Like not me, like this guy came in and, and he did that. And I, I thought that was important because I've always felt that, um, that Garnett was the one who, who was the leader and and who set the tone for that team as as good as Paul Pierce was as worthy as he is of having his own jersey retired by the Celtics like it was it was Garnett who was the best player on that team in the first year and the guy who just led them and guided them in in every way you talk like about that, I'm sorry yeah. good no go ahead I'm I'm done I was going to say, you talk about someone who was wildly unprepared yesterday. Paul Pierce. <laughs> I was going to say. He, he really going was. up there. It no took him notes. a while to get going. It took him a while to get going. He was like, yeah, I, we, I don't think we played together. Uh, we, we were on the same team for a while. Uh, I was like, what are you like, doing, Paul? You, this guy had some good energy. This guy this guy was intense. Like, yeah, we know Paul. Yeah, also, that was like, uh, awful. The Celtics had, like, I have to give the Celtics credit for, for like through the game, producing a hell of a KG celebration, like the videos, the moments, the surprise Kenny G saxophone video. Like I thought they did everything well, but somehow the message that Paul Pierce was going to be given the intro speech never got to Paul Pierce. And I feel like with the level of preparation, oh, no. the Celtics it put to into him. the, it got to him. He, it got he, to he him. just ignored he thought, it. He just thought he was going to be ready for the moment, you know? Oh, I thought he said I I haven't he just thought he was like he was that a big time player. No, he needed KG to step up. <laughs> that was, yeah. If he Paul thought Pierce, he was just gonna dribble right out to the elbow, like just step back. <laughs> and that, that shit was gonna go in. But I will say this. It took him a while to get going. Like he was really slow at the start, but he eventually got to the meat of it and and said some things that that carried weight. Um so I, I will give him that credit, but but it was a little rough at first. That, he, like, he he was not ready for the moment. No, nah, and I I respect how high of an individual Paul Pierce is at, at all hours of the day, but you got to tone it down <laughs> a little before that moment. That was and I love Paul Pierce, but goddamn, that was like he was he was comfortably third of the big three uh, in terms of importance of of their actions yesterday. I think that was the other very cool thing about the ceremony was just like Kevin Garnett, I would say him, Pierce, very much Rajon Rondo have been incredibly petty towards Ray Allen over the years. And it feels like it's kind of started at the all-star break with them taking a photo together and things like that. But KG put it out there and made it be known that like the beef is squashed. Ray was very important part of this team. Let me go out of my way to honor Ray in in a night that should just be honoring KG. And I always thought the kind of like the Ray stuff was ridiculous. Like fans are upset with him because he went to the Heat. It was like Danny Ainge was trying to trade him for like eight months before that. Tyreek uh, Evans. <laughs> exactly. Who's welcome back to the league, Tyreek Evans. So I never really blamed Ray for that. I never really got the, the frustration about that. But I thought it was just like cool that 
and maybe it's just like Kevin Garnett being the ultimate teammate. And that was like, I think that's a cool thing that he was just known as being the greatest teammate. Like he knew how important Ray Allen was to like that championship run and like each subsequent run. And I thought it was just very awesome of him to like make an effort to bring him back into the fold. I don't think Gray Allen's going to get his jersey retired by the Celtics, no matter Nor what should he. he says. <laughs> no, no, I, he does not deserve that because he was only there for five years, and and he wasn't nearly as transformative as Garnett was. As, as good as he was, and they wouldn't have won the title without him. He just and wasn't on to the be, same level. To be fair, we couldn't have traded for Kevin Garnett without him. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I mean, was not happening unless Ray was there. The, the story I wish they had gone into, um, I didn't need the arm wrestling story. That was just okay. Um, but the story I wish they told was Kevin Garnett's, part of the reason he didn't want to come here was because the year prior, him and Kendrick Perkins like almost came to blows in a game in Minnesota. And he was just like, I don't know if that Perkins guy likes me. Like, I don't know <laughs> that I want to play with him. Like, he's pretty, pretty mean. Um, and obviously they became like brothers the way they, they formed that four or five defense. That was like the, that was so good. The thunder punted on many championships, trying to recreate it with Serge Ibaka. Um, but that was a story I wish they had gone into a little, again, maybe if Paul Pierce was a little prepared, we could have went over that. <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul really was like, that was, that was special when he came out and, and just said, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I haven't prepared for this at all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like, oh, you wanted me to speak oh, I didn't say I thought I thought Big Baby was taking it uh, it's just a lesson to the folks out there don't don't wing it if you know you're going to do a big public speech engagement maybe you don't have to read off note cards but maybe you have uh, some bullet points down on it uh, you might want to get to yeah yeah at least have an idea of what you're going to say besides like <laughs> Kevin Garnett <laughs> Kevin Garnett you know that, that guy that guy brought it <laughs> <laughs> what, <laughs> what was a lower moment Paul Pierce not knowing what to say or the Celtics giving Kevin Garnett a basket of five NFTs oh that was that low was... that was low and, and not only like, I, I, I need to bring up the names of the NFTs because it, it wasn't just that there were NFTs involved it was just the the names of the NFT. So here here are the NFTs in the gift basket that that they gave him. Bears Deluxe. All right. Gutter Gutter Pigeons. Sup Ducks. The Doggies. <laughs> Snoop. Dogg. Wait, they're, they're they're just like other random artwork. They're not even like NBA Top Shots. Yeah, I highlights. thought they were. I thought they were Kevin Garnett, like NF, like no, they are. Like, they're just shitty NBA paint artwork. No gutter pitches, Bears Deluxe, Sub Ducks, the Doggies, which I think is Snoop Dogs NFT and Rug Radio. Um, Awful. So what and, and Celtics crypto bro thought this maybe was a good worth idea? A lot, but but that was that was a weird weird moment to to bring that one in there. Um, they did crush some moments though. I, I, I will give them a hundred percent credit having Phil Collins is in the air tonight during while KG was raising his number to the Raptors was perfect because that was his song. He loved that song. Oh, for sure. He, he had two songs. He had that and he had 
whatever the song is but playing during Gino time, though, which wouldn't have really set the moment for pulling up the banner. It's just funny yeah. to me to look back and think about a man and having one tear stream down his face while listening to <laughs> Phil Collins in the air tonight. Like I didn't, I didn't fully put that together until just now, but that's just funny. <laughs> As I look, as I look back on it, it might not have even been the jersey thing that sent the tear down. I it might have just been the song. <laughs> it's a good point. It's like, a good point. He the... might not have really cared about the number going up, but but that song he hadn't heard that in a little while, and it, it really got to him. There was the part where he said he doesn't really like food all that much. That was funny. Um, I I um, oh, what the fuck was I gonna say? God damn it. I can't call. A, a man, uh, Paul Pearson it up here, but a man who's uh, ready for the moment, Mike Gorman, fantastic line where he's just, just like, I love that the crowd booed Isaiah Thomas. Uh, what, man, why was guy, he so involved? Why, like he was there. He was in the building. He was there. He was sitting right behind him courtside. I think the story is because like Isaiah Thomas played against him in high school. So, yeah, like, I, like, I think when KG was in high school, he did – uh, at least one year of his high school time in Chicago, and and Isaiah Thomas played pickup against him and told him, like young fella, you're gonna make the NBA, and it it, it left a huge impact on gotcha. him. And I I think they've been close since then, partially because of the Chicago ties. Um, but yeah, that 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 was hysterical. He got. <laughs> He got loudly booed. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I thought they were going to keep bringing, like, I thought they were going to keep splicing him in between everyone because they kept bringing him back at a point during the video montage. So I just thought the boos were going to get to, like, a, a fever pitch and they were going to tear Isaiah limb from limb. Do you think there was a, a conversation within the Celtics? Like, do, you, do we want to cut this? This could <laughs> infuriate some people who are at this thing. I don't I don't know what like the Venn diagram is of like those older 80s Celtics fans who are still big KG guys. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure they I don't think they were shocked necessarily by the booze, but I don't know if they thought it would be like over. Well, like we weren't in Chicago. We were very much in Boston. Like those were some of the loudest booze I've heard in that building. And who I bet Garnett other... loved the booze as much as anyone, like as much <laughs> as he loves Isaiah Thomas. I bet he was like, yeah. That's the loyalty I want, you know. Like that that probably that probably made him very happy in a weird way. Who was the other NBA TV guy that they would play like after the Isaiah Thomas clips? Uh, I couldn't tell uh, either. I'm not sure. It yeah. was just a it was just an, an an unknown black man saying nice things about uh, Kevin Garnett, and I it seemed like he was on television, but I had no idea who he was. The, yeah. the other. One cool part I thought was uh, like the the Celtics kept playing video tributes to Garnett during timeouts, and I don't think he was able to watch basically any of them because every timeout it would be a stream of Celtics employees, staffers, um, from ball boys to Brian Dew, the former strength coach who was there, to like just a long, long list of, of people and everyone just walked over and said hello and KG chatted with every single one of them. And that was how he spent his time out, just kind of catching up with people. I don't think he was able to watch any of those things, even though he kind of wanted to. I think but he saw the cool. Shaq one. 
Yeah, he enjoyed the Shaq one when he was singing, <laughs> when Shaq was singing. I, I don't remember that video somehow. At all. At, it didn't ring a single bell when I was, it was great. Maybe they were saving it for this. I also like that Antoine Walker was involved because it was, it was mostly the 08 team. And then Antoine Walker was like, yeah, I'm doing this too. <laughs> he was here yeah. for what well, they did like the 75th anniversary stuff on friday is that what that was yeah so they had like some gala at uh encore in in everett mm-hmm. and, and, he, and, he, and he and paul pierce sat down yeah that, that was that was a wild part of the weekend too Cool. Did did you see they they honored Kelly Olynyk at halftime of the Pistons game? I, I was I would have been furious if they gave him a jersey to hold up. Um, but yeah, it was it seemed very they forgot there was going to be a former Celtic on the other team, <laughs> so they just asked him nicely. They were like, "What are they? What are you really going to learn at halftime? Just stand there for a while." I was wondering if they were going to if they were going to honor Dwight Powell at halftime yesterday. <laughs> was the Kelly Olynyk not like properly represented? It's so much so that they needed Kelly out there on the court. Like it was a wild choice. Man, I mean, he, how many years was he in Boston? Four. And yeah, he had, he had a look. He look had a, I'm, he had I'm a the biggest moment. Kelly defender there is. He had yeah, a playoff he, moment. He this, ended the this was he ended the Cavs Kelly. title run in sixteen or in fifteen. <laughs> he did do he did do that. <laughs> well, is there is there anything else from the KG remembrance before we get to? Well, it's actually I think a, a pretty intense, very ugly basketball game. Anything else you guys wanted to mention um, from the honoring of KG? Yeah, I mean we've. Uh, discussed before that there has been this aura aura around the team. You can point to a lot of things and be like, are we just cursed? Like, is there some sort of weird curse? Like, why did Hayward's ankle explode on a relatively routine play you see several times a game? Like, why did this generational point guard tell everyone he was going to sign here and then just (laughs) not, and then... Anthony Davis's dad blaming trading a guy away for why he doesn't like what what's going on here? We, why can't we shit hit a single three at home again in game seven against the Cavs? Like, whoa, are we actually cursed? So I do think like the Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG hug is like a, a, a something that needed. It was a demon that needed to be exercised. And I'm I'm happy it happened when it did, because that was just like a weird thing that was hanging over this team that was like wildly unnecessary. Like it was I, like, I feel I'm happy we can move on from that now. It, it's crazy that it lasted as long as it did because it seemed like the only thing that changed was they just saw each other. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they ran, happened to run into each other. And they're like, other Oh, this is, this the, is weird. I like the, that guy. <laughs> at the NBA 75th anniversary thing. And the way, the way Garnett told it during his conversation with Kendrick Perkins on whatever show that was on was they saw, they dapped each other up and they were just cool. Like it was like, it was old time. Like there was, there was never an apology. There was no, like what's, what happened between us. It was just, Oh, we saw each other. We're back to 10 years ago before things happened. And so you wonder what would have happened if they had just seen each other, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, after, probably after Garnett was gone from the Celtics. Because I think while he was still with the Celtics, 
that was going to be a wound that was very would be very tough to repair. But you like there was no like apology, like there was no conversation about the ten years they were apart. It was just like, oh, we're cool again. <laughs> I also wonder if if like Rondo winning a ring with LeBron, he was just like, oh, this is actually kind of sick. I should have done this way sooner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is. I do uh, feel like Rondo and Ray had the beef, and they like famously box each other. And I feel like that was the main driving wedge between the two uh, warring factions there. And so I think you're right, Coley, that Rondo being like, "Oh, teaming up a little brawn to win a ring is a, a fantastic idea." <laughs> yeah, and that was. Uh, I think everyone wondered whether Ray was going to come, and then. Like when he did it, it didn't feel like that big a deal. If, if that makes sense, like obviously they had the hug, but like he just kind of showed up. Garnett was sitting on one side of the court; he was sitting on the other. Um, it, it wasn't like like a huge to do. It was just it happened, and and they're past it now. And and I I do think like when you saw them together, kind of reminds you like those dudes together transformed the Celtics and, and changed the Celtics and gave the Celtics the only ring they've had in almost 40 years. And so it's just really sad that, that they weren't on good terms for a while. Uh, And hopefully this will allow them to mend that a little bit or a lot of it. And, and they'll just be normal and at least be able to celebrate like the reunions and the big moments and stuff like that when when they get to um like like really reflect on what they accomplished together so i i also appreciated kg being like the only reason we won one is because i got hurt in utah otherwise we had multiple more because he's correct and he should say it and that that second team was better than the first yeah like they were unbelievable. Couldn't the way Scout tells it. Like remember the first playoff run they had together, and they oh, went yeah. to game. They went to game seven, like basically every series, and couldn't win on the road no matter what. Like oh, they yeah. played Al Horford in his rookie year, and <laughs> and could not dominate like Al Horford, Pero Antic, and like young Jeff Teague. And Josh Smith, give Josh Smith, I should Correct. give Josh Smith his credit. Um, Joe Johnson, was he on that team? I don't even remember. He had to was on that team. Yeah, probably. But anyway, like they were just infinitely better than that Hawks team. Yeah, it was a 1-8. Like it, it shouldn't have yeah, taken that and, long. And, and they were a dominant one and the Hawks were not like a super strong eight. And that should not have gone to seven. The way Scal tells it, like, he would just show up to shoot around and it would be like, <laughs> like they were just all on edge. Like they, they were just so nervous, not maybe not nervous, but there was that nervous energy. Like we've never done this before. We all need to get a ring. And, and they weren't, I don't want to say they weren't ready for it. Cause obviously they, they won a title, but it, they weren't like used to that together. And, and he said when they came back the next year, that was like, that was gone. And, they were still just as competitive, just as maniacal. It was just they were also comfortable and confident and everything else. And and so that that team especially is is the what if. And honestly, 
Like even 2010, Garnett was he 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 worked his way back to a level where he he was very impactful, but he never reached the level he was at in 2007, 2008 again. No, after he, that I mean, injury, they. They lost one of their bread and butter plays, which was, oh, you're fronting KG. Rondo's going to throw a perfect lob that he's going to dunk. Like, they they figured out a way to make it layups, but it was never like a go-to play, like it was in 07-08. And so, like the his like his defense and his intensity were always there. He definitely was like, I'm just going to shoot jump shots now after that injury. And this is why the Utah Jazz don't deserve to be a franchise. If they never existed. That injury never happens. It's 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 all right there. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but how many do you think they would have won? Two. I think they win two. I don't know that they win that next year. Even even though I agree they were better, I think they get to the finals and and lose. Like there's nothing I can point to that says that. But they when the the second they acquired. KG and form that big three. I said they were going to win immediately, lose, and then win the next year. And I I've, have nothing in front of me that says that would have went any differently. I feel like if he doesn't get hurt, they win in 2009 and don't win in 2000 or don't make it to the finals in 2010. Like they really didn't have a lot of business beating the, the Magic that year. I was like, actually, I just heard Matt Barnes on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about that series in two, uh, Eastern Conference Finals in 2010. And apparently Stan Van Gundy, before the series even happened, just instituted an entirely new offense for the Magic, <laughs> which is a bold play uh, heading into the Eastern Conference Finals. But that Magic team with, like, Dwight and four shooters was pretty fucking good. And I don't really remember how the Celtics managed to get past them team, but um, they did. But I don't And think they, they beat necessarily... LeBron and the Cavs that year, too. That was the year they won 66 games, right, the Cavs? Yes, yeah, so LeBron ripping his jersey off game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when I was talking to Danny Ainge for the Kevin Garnett oral history, one of the things he said was those two series against the Magic and Cavs that year might have been the best basketball played during the Garnett era. And and that sounds about right. Like those were two extremely good teams, and the Celtics, like they. they that series the against LeBron was part of the reason, most of the reason LeBron had a reputation for not living up to the moment. That that series and probably the 2011 finals, right? Um, but like like they they did that and and they reached a level during that playoff. And Rondo was much better by then, and so that was the difference. Like KG Pierce and and Ray Allen were still at a legitimate level but rondo was just much much better than he was before i'm actually going to change my answer from two to three because the the Dwayne wade foul on rondo where he uh punched him in the face and the nba simply didn't call it had that had kg never got hurt maybe jam's right they don't win in 10 i definitely think they win in 12 Ooh. yeah that's a that's a possibility too because that Thunder team, just as good as they were, like I was terror, I was more scared in the moment of the Thunder than the Heat because the Heat were coming. Like the, the narrative going into that Heat Celtics series was like, if the Heat lose this, Chris Bosh is gone, Dwayne Wade's probably got, like they were gonna bl- like not blow it up necessarily, but it they it wasn't gonna be them three anymore. Um, 
so if we win that series, I, like James Harden's just Spolstra stunned. probably would have got fired. Yeah, oh, a thousand crazy. percent. A thousand percent. Like, imagine if Spolstra never got another chance. It was just, just like the assistant coach for Heat culture doesn't even exist at this point for like no. the, the Kings or something. The no, that was, I mean, you talk about sliding doors, they they probably still have Halliburton. Um, was the LeBron game six game that was 2011, right? No, 2012, because 2011 was when Rondo got hurt his elbow. Another Dwayne Wade classic. Um, yeah, 12. 12, 12 was, was like when Garnett and KG were just like the just meanest bullies on the block, and LeBron just kind of got through it. Game like they, six. They... Game six. Doc Rivers was like, you know what? We're up a game, so I'm gonna not go 100 percent today. Why close it out at home when we can be well rested for game <laughs> seven, right, boys? The, uh, that was the surprising thing. Doc got so many cheers when I was like, he's the coach of the Sixers. Oh, I booed. Stinks. I booed heartily. Top 15 Doc. Poor, poor Brandon Bass. So what, <laughs> when I was talking to him for the Garnett story, he that I brought up that, that LeBron game, and he was like, man, I see it on TV all the time. They always bring it up. People will text me like, yo, you're on TV. And I'll be like, man, fuck. Like, he didn't say fuck you, but it'll be like, <laughs> like man, like, I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to be on TV for that. Uh, and and then he said, which he said it was LeBron's destiny. He's like, I, I wish it wasn't, but it almost felt like LeBron was destined to do that. And, and like, the Celtics tested him as much as possible. And he just... Like that that game six, it was in Boston too. I've oh, never yeah. seen a better I've never seen a better game in person. It was just there was nothing anybody in the world was going to do with him on that night. It, nothing. Like he he just reached a place where none of it mattered. It didn't matter that Garnett and Pierce were going to talk reckless stuff <laughs> to him the whole game. It it didn't matter. Chris Bosch was hurt, I think, in that series. Like that didn't matter. It didn't matter that maybe his whole team would have gotten blown up in that moment. It didn't matter what happened in previous years. He was just, he was just ready for it all at that point, but it, it, it took him until then to get to that. Correct. Point. Oh yeah. And I think well, the Celtics were a big part of why it took that long, if that makes it, sense. But also they were part of the reason why he got to the level he ended up getting to as well. Also to be fair to LeBron, which I do not want to do in this moment, but he did put up 50 in game in, in the 08 series too. Like he, he outdueled Paul Pierce. He just didn't have Paul Pierce's teammates. So like he, he definitely, something definitely clicked in that moment, but he, it's, it's not like he didn't have the Detroit, what he scored 25 and 26, uh, between he the wasn't putting up, overtime. up until 2012. But, but, like, but that year that it was, it was different that year. Definitely. He, he was the underdog. And like with the pressure of being the favorite in the finals against Dallas, I think that weighed on him. The pressure of being the favorite against the Celtics in 2010, like when he was a favorite, that's when sometimes he didn't come through. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, 2012. Good lord, he touched the, God. The, the, the map series is still a black mark on his record. Like he'll never get over that. As as great and as everyone agrees, he's in the top three somewhere top five somewhere like it, that master always jj Berea is a hell of a defender it's i mean <laughs> andrew bynum almost had him killed for how good of a defender he was 
yeah. It, it's crazy how many, like, really important games that Celtics team played in, like, a five-year span. Yeah. Like, a lot of pretty memorable games. I guess part of that was that the first year they just went to every single game seven. <laughs> <laughs> they just could not win on the road. They had no prayer of winning on the road, even against Terrell Antich, man. Like Zaza Pachulia. Yeah. I mean, what can you do? That's Josh Smith's house. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys see the video of Barnett in the Celtics locker room? Yes, it was awesome. The Celtics released it uncensored. Um, many funny moments, um, including KG. Uh, there, someone got a nice screen grab of KG dapping up Payton Pritchard and just said, like, passing of the eras, which I know. <laughs> the, the best part, though, was Al Horford. And, like, everyone else was vibing with KG. Like, super, <laughs> ex- wasn't super excited to see him. Al Horford was like, hey, Kevin. Or whatever it was. Like, it was, it was like it this was, guy was a dick to me for my entire four years of the league before I was playing with him. And I don't know whether there was anything behind the moment, um, but it was definitely a totally different feel. And maybe it's just like Horford is old and doesn't have time, doesn't have as much time as the other guys do for that stuff. But man, that that was that was really funny especially knowing he went through a playoff series against Garnett and probably got hell during his rookie season from Garnett. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that. That was the one part of that that I enjoyed by far the most. It was like palpably uncomfortable. It was like, oh, <laughs> he does not have the same reverence for this man as everyone else in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone else, like that was the best part of their day. And then I was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm going to wash my hands, Kevin. Like, sorry. <laughs> well, it went from Horford, and then it was like the lineup of KG dapping up Sam Hauser, Malik Fitz, Luke Cornett, and just like uh, the murderer's row of whatever side <laughs> of the locker room that is. Like, it was like calling, like being very nice to Jalen, and then it's like, hello, sir. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> nice to meet you, Nick Stauskas. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that uh, that team, the current team, the modern team, who lost a game, which they haven't done in a while, to Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. I think, fortunately, Luka did not hit a game winner. Um, I think we can all rejoice in that. Unfortunately, Spencer Dimwitty did. And I was shocked, personally. I'm going to put hand up a guy who does not watch a lot of Dallas Mavericks basketball, but their defense was really good. They just, even with guy like Spencer Dimwitty and Jalen Brunson on the court, even with Luca, who's not known for his defense, I thought they did a fantastic job of slowing down Jason Tatum, showing Jason Tatum a lot of attention. And I don't think that Celtics handled, uh, Jason Tatum getting doubled well at all. Well, like one, they missed a lot of shots, but I only think they got like good looks out of that. And it was especially clear when it felt like when the, the Celtics doubled Luca, the Mavericks made four passes and had an open corner three. And the Celtics just had none of that on the other end. And I think it's like the, it raises some red flags for like, oh, 
is this the way to stop slow down the Celtics in the playoffs? This is like you just got to show show Jason Tatum too, and the Celtics are going to crumble with a, not knowing how to react to that. So I guess Coley, what was your impression of the of the game, uh, especially the, I guess the Celtics uh, late offense? I couldn't like I know the Mavs every time uh, Goldberry tweets out like the last fifteen games net rating. Uh, chart the Mavs are always like in our quadrant not quite as good but in our <laughs> quadrant and it's because of their defense I, like I didn't walk away overly impressed with their defense like I thought there was a like the first half every time we drove we seemed to get easy buckets and maybe it was because Rob got into uh, extremely bullshit foul trouble but foul trouble nevertheless I don't know if maybe that's why we stopped driving knowing we didn't have that lob option there as like a bailout um because once we stopped driving like yeah it is pretty easy to defend the Celtics unless you're the Sixers and we shoot 75 percent from three um I like Tatum's passes out of the double I feel like most of the season have been pretty crisp I thought he was missing guys in rhythm that were pretty wide open um, but just like a, an overall lack of aggression, which is absurd on KG retirement night and doubly absurd on a night Jalen Brown dunks a man through the floor, like twice. Like he dunked on multiple people. He had the between the legs pass to Rob. Like there was at one point I was like, oh, we're definitely getting Gino today. And then we didn't. We had pushed it to, we never pushed it to double digits, did we? Was no, it no, nine? it was 10 in the no, third quarter. It, uh, yeah. So that's more upsetting. Uh, so not that 10 in the first half too. Right. Yeah. No, early, uh, but not that 10, some insurmountable lead, but the Celtics team we've seen since Jalen shifted the energy tens pretty much all they've needed. Like we've, we've held off Brooklyn when they were charging, when we built a lead late, like we've held off plenty of good teams. Um, so it's like, yeah, if, if other teams, I don't even think it's as much doubling Tatum. I don't think other teams are going to have that kind of success doubling Tatum as much as doubling Luca like he's fucking Embiid is not, I don't think that was a successful strategy because he can make every pass. Not every team has that kind of playmaker running their offense. So it's like, if, if we're going to score, what do we end up with? 93? 92. 92. Yeah. If, if we're going to play in the low 90s, our defense just needs to be a little bit better. And and obviously Rob getting into foul trouble hurts that, but I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with this team. Like not a lot of teams are going to be able to put up over a hundred on us unless we take up, take the foot off the gas late because it's already over. But I thought our offense scoring as much as they did, it felt like such a slog all game. Like there was no sense of urgency and, and maybe that's credit to the Mavs, but it, it truly did feel selfish. Like Rob got a rebound. I think we we're up three late in the fourth. Rob gets an offensive rebound, kicks it back out, and we end up turning the ball over. Like that to me felt like the game. We score there. And I know you guys are journalists, you probably hate me saying we, but uh oh, no, no. it's we. <laughs> we, we, say, but it's we. <laughs> we score there. I think that's game. Like uh, that's enough of a cushion, even if it's just five to just be like, all right, now we just have to trade baskets or, or whatever. But they missed a lot of those open corner threes as we kept that lead at three. And we just never capitalized there. That was what was frustrating for me. Yeah. I think because the Mavericks are so sharp in their rotate, like they were able to double Tatum with a vigor. Nobody else has really like they they really sent those doubles at him 
Mm-hmm. And and like you said, he it wasn't just that he was missing guys. It was like he would throw the pass like a few feet up into the right and it would break up the the rhythm of the possession and 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 not let the next guy make the play whether it's take a shot, take a pass, or make a drive, whatever. Um so I I feel like that was like just the rhythm of the offense wasn't there down the stretch, especially it just, it was bad. Um, well, I feel like they were kind of lost where like, they didn't know exactly what to do when the hard doubles came. There was one, like they were just, I can't remember a smart or Jalen or just, just like kind of running around trying to figure out what to do. Cause they were doubling off him. And then there's another possession where smart caught the ball on a, like a classic four on three but they just didn't step up to him. And so he just had a wide open jumper from the foul line, but it just was like, he seemed so thrown off by the idea that they would just like, let him take that. And it felt like, I the, feel the, like that's what smart teams are going to do to the Celtics in the playoffs too. force them to like, take that long jumper rather than letting, letting them step up and attack. Marcus smart and Derek white too. I haven't seen Derek white as much, obviously, but Marcus smart is a genius at making you think he's going to try to score and then finding somebody else for who's a much better shooter for a much better shot. And if you're really smart and you can avoid overreacting to Marcus smart, trying to bait you into guarding him, you can probably force him to take maybe not always difficult shots, but shots that won't be as good as the shots that he sets up for other other teammates so that's that's where if if there are questions about the Celtics that that's that's where they are like what do they do when teams are really sharp and diligent about making their non-scorers and non-shooters shoot like what happens then and and I don't know what the answer is I think it's it's certainly possible that the answer is Marcus Smart shoots make seven threes in at least one game and, and that's what happens. But like that that to me is is the level that's where the concern is for the Celtics at whatever point they get to in the playoffs where they're really tested. I do think too if a defense is going to key that much on Tatum, Jalen's gonna take that as disrespect. Like I I there was obviously the stretch where he took over and built that initial lead, but I feel like when 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 they know the entire defense is just staring at Tatum, like it's not like we don't have anyone else. Yeah. What what are your expectations for the Celtics right now? Like, how have you kind of reacted to the last couple of months after they were 500 for two full years? Yeah, I mean, and I know I've said it on here. Like, there was something that needed to be rectified that was stemming from the bubble. Um, I think you were the one who pointed out it was the Raptors series. I always wanted to blame the Heat series, but there was that moment after one of the games. It might have been the one, was it OG who hit that game-winning three? Yeah. Yeah. The I think it was after that one where, like, Brad's just giving, or someone's giving their post game, and you just hear Brad screaming at two people, clearly beating the shit out of one another. Um <laughs> And Brad there was, was beating a, the shit out of someone. Yeah, Brad was. Brad was back. <laughs> Take that, motherfucker. 
That's actually uh, why why Brad got moved from coach. Yeah, because he was feeding feeding the players. <laughs> he, was, he was a big Bobby Knight guy. People don't like to talk about it. Um, Indiana roots. <laughs> yeah, but there was a like everyone's been so focused on the Jalen Jason storyline that's completely driven by the Philadelphia media. Um, there, I think it was like there was a comment right before this run started where Marcus went out of his way to be like, you know, me and Jalen are a lot closer than people think too. I don't know that that's always been the case. I don't know that they've always seen eye to eye. Uh, I think they do now. I think this is the most united those two have been. And I think that's been a huge driving reason for this. I think everyone's kind of settled into their role. I think there was kind of like a, an unspoken trying to everyone grab the throne that was clearly handed to, to Tatum a long time ago. Um, and I think everyone's kind of just realized, like, I, I do think like Jalen and Jason just kind of looked at each other like, hey, we're a lot better than this. Like, what? just even even if the rest of these guys, even if we don't have a bench, like we specifically are better than this. There's no reason we should be punting a season at, at the beginning of our primes just because we're hopeful we can sign someone this offseason. Like, the fuck are we waiting for? There's no super team. There's no one out there that we feel like we can't beat. Let's just go beat these guys. And it does take on a lot of nights, like tremendous effort. They're fucking 24 and 25. They can do that. Like in five years, do I need them doing that? No. Right now? Yeah, they absolutely can. Something clicked just mentally. I don't know if Ime pushing them harder. So I know it's something they've credited. Um, something clicked mentally where they were just like, hey, we are as good as as we believe we are. We just have to go out and play like it. And they, to their credit, have. Uh, if they hadn't blown so many games, they had won earlier in the year. Like we may be looking at the one seed right now. Yeah, it's weird how like the consistency of effort and quality basketball has just been taking a dramatic uptick um, from early on in the season. And maybe it's Hardo Ime just like being mean to them, and that's like what they needed. They needed someone like instead of Brad taking the blame for every single loss and saying that he should have coached better. Maybe they actually needed some form of accountability, but I think that's like, and of course they played some to use a horrible Dan Shaughnessy phrase, tomato cans. Um, they like, had an easy schedule, but they beat them. And like, but I do think like the effort has always been there and they've been in every single one of those games, except for that, like that random Pacers game. Um, the, the Pacers like, just could refuse to like people who they were pulling out of the, the stands were shooting uh, eight of ten from the three. Oh, Shane Brissett, yeah, <laughs> people with two last names were beating us. There, there was nothing <laughs> we could do that day. And the Pistons, like the, the if the Pistons, the Pistons might win the championship next year if they get to play us eighty-two times. The Pistons might beat the Celtics in a seven-game series, four games to three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy they're not in the playoffs. They uh, we have no answer for Marvin Bagley, none. Uh, Cade is is the light skin, lighter skinned Lucas somehow. Like there's just nothing you can do against that team. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> they did, really did. do play well against the Celtics, and to the point where all num- numerous Celtics players have been like, "Man, they, they're just way better than their record." Like, man. <laughs> Like they just look different against us. Like I think Marcus Smart was like, they got some guys who can go. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're gonna see a mass exodus to the Detroit Pistons. Like that's the next team that's gonna be snatching up uh, Matt players. <laughs> 
concern about it seemed like the if when the Celtics decided not to double Luca, the strategy was just attack Rob and Al Horford. And that's if you look at like the player tracking matchup data, it's like Luca scored all of his points either on Al or Rob. And I thought like they did decent. Um they scored 95 points, man. Like I and 38 of them were in the third quarter. 38 in the third quarter. I mean, Dorian Finney Smith had 14 points in the third quarter or 13 like they they had one offensive quarter where they just completely exploded and got themselves back in the game and it felt like that was largely I can't remember and I obviously didn't take notes because uh that would be professional of me um I can't remember if that quarter was doubling or if like that was playing straight up but considering other guys not named Lucas scored I'm guessing that was doubling but there's no other lingering concerns from the Mavericks game, I take it hearing you both, it was just like a loss against a pretty solid opponent. Yeah, as 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 good a job the Celtics did presenting everything yesterday, the whole day, I do think they made two key missteps. One was not running the 07 through 12 intro before the game. I understand there's different players on the team, but if they had the KG scream there, Forget about it. And then they played the KG. I need everyone up right now. Oh, way too late. Way too late. Like way time, too late. like 10 minutes too late, like game minutes too late. If they did that entering the fourth, I think we're talking about a, a double digit. I genuinely believe that. That's not like me just saying, like I genuinely believe that that would have changed the entire uh, emotion of that game. Um, but yeah, I'm not, like Jay just said, they scored 95 points. Like if, if we're going to give up 95 points on a consistent basis, I like our chances. And like to your, to what you were just saying with the, the Shaughnessy reference, like we still have the best record against teams above 500 in the East. Like I, like I don't. And as I look towards the playoffs, we sneaky have as much, if not more playoff experience than pretty much anyone we're going to play. Like I don't, it, as young of a team it is, they're as battle-tested as anyone they're going to go up against. Like, I'm I'm truly not worried about anyone in the East. And considering how tough the East has been in comparison to the West this year, I'm also not that concerned about anyone in the West, should we get there. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Give me your give me your power rankings in terms of teams you want to play the least in the East or like worst matchup for the Celtics. Because right now, I think I would pick them in a series against anyone except the Bucks, just because I think the Bucks have a championship pedigree and they also have Giannis. But I think anyone else the Celtics can handle. But I'm curious about what, where your perspective is right now, Coley. Yeah, I give the Bucks that respect because they have Giannis and. Middleton shoots a career 200% in the garden. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't like, we have beat them in the playoffs before it was before Giannis became this Giannis. Um, So it's not a series I would be like pumped about Um, Brooklyn, just because they're they're clearly throwing games to get more road games in the playoffs. So Kyrie can play. Um, like I'm tweeting the mayor, the crazy mayor of New York City. <laughs> I don't know how that man got elected to office. I know, I know, he's become like uh, the the running bit uh, of over uh, the Trill Withers show. But <laughs> goddamn, I like I I all I agree. I do not understand how that's a real human being. Um, <laughs> like I I think we can beat the Nets because their defense is atrocious. Um. But they have a sneaky Celtics killer too, and and Andre Drummond, who just happens to own Al Horford. Um, it's it's like those are the only, like the Bulls. I don't give a fuck about the Bulls. Um, the Heat. I don't. I'm not worried about the Heat at all. Um, everyone else, yeah, they're kind of just like much worse than us in my eyes. Like even the Nets, I think are worse than us. I just wouldn't love to play Kevin Durant in the playoffs because he's we know who he is. Um, and the Bucks, like it's, I do think we can beat the Bucks. Giannis is just a, a monster of a human being, and it's it's his league as far as I'm concerned. So if we can get past the Bucks, like the Suns, I'm not worried about playing Chris Paul past the third round. Are you kidding me? All right, wet blanket, Jay. Tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> I, uh, I I will let your commentary stand for itself. I. Uh... <laughs> That's, that's almost more disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. My thing is, my thing is, and, and really the only thing I took from last night, last night was the first time another top 10 MVP candidate outplayed Tatum since early January. Like, Ja, not even close. Uh, Embiid couldn't even play in the second half. Like, he's, Jokic, Jokic outplayed him. Jokic, just because Jokic's absurd and because Jokic's up. the MVP. I don't know what the score of the game is right now, but if Jokic wins, it means he's the MVP. And if Jokic doesn't win, it means Jokic's the MVP. He played I mean he 
Grandy after the game was like, yeah, it felt like Jokic didn't have much of an impression on this game, but we've literally never seen numbers like this since Wilt Chamberlain. Um, I was at that Jokic game. Jokic dominated the entire game. I was astounded by how good Jokic was. Yeah, he's he's the the world's largest goose. Like, there's no one (laughs) of his physical stature that can do those kind of things. But it's like, Outside of Jokic, ever since this team became the team we know them as, Tatum's outplayed every other MVP candidate except for Doncic yesterday. Like he's that's another reason why I'm so confident in the playoffs. Like we didn't really have that number one, or at least that number one wasn't all consistently showing up like a number one does until ta- second half Jason Tatum every year takes a step somehow. I still don't know how he does it, but this year it's like, yeah, I'm I'm going he also I hate to call him out. If he's going to blow the kiss of death, it better fucking kill the other team. You can't do it in the first quarter, Jason. You just can't. It's not a kiss of death. It's just a kiss to deuce. Uh, I think that's the main issue there. So he's Jason Kidd now? I uh, guess Jason Smooches. <laughs> Didn't Doug Christie do that too? He was doing it to his wife, I believe. Yeah. he just Tatum just does it to deuce. Yeah, Jason Kidd also did it to his kid. Um, I, I, Doug Christie's is the strangest one to me, but yeah, I, I need Tatum to do that when it's like burying, even if it's the deuce. Like, I, that's adorable. We all love deuce. I have no anti deuce things to say, never will. Um, all right, but, Jay, your anti deuce take, Jay. <laughs> Excuse me. You you have long uh, in private ranted against deuce. I just wanted to give you a public uh, opportunity to. Talk about that it. is not even remotely <laughs> true. That, was, that is one of the most absurd comments ever uttered. Deuce is a I'll super release the text messages. <laughs> I, I in terms of number one hatred rankings for Jay King, uh, <laughs> it goes Red Panda, then The Wave, then uh, Deuce Tatum. Oh, man, you were getting peppered for that Wave stuff. That was very funny. <laughs> this, this, is, this is just not even remotely true. The first two the are very stuff. true. So I swear to God, some, some dude where I was sitting in the in the, in the uh, media section at the game yesterday. This was like half hour before the game, and Paul Pierce is just like hanging out in the court. Everyone's like cheering him or whatever, and some some dude from the stand screams out to me, "We gonna do the wave today or what, Jay?" <laughs> <laughs> just, just getting heckled in the fucking stands. About the goddamn wave. I so. 99% of the time I agree with you, but there was something about that wave because it came, it truly came out of nowhere. But it, I enjoyed that one only because it was like, it felt like the first time in a while Celtics fans like took a breath. There was not this like crazy tension, like, oh, is Tatum going to leave? Are we going to trade? It just felt like the first time we were actually enjoying like a, a going away win for the first time and since KG was on the goddamn team. Yeah, if, if the wave replaces Gino, I'm cool with it. I'm I've been long. Let's talk crazy here. Let's let's, go, let's be no, rational. I think Gino, I think Gino was... should be replaced. Gino was a KG thing. They should retire Gino too. Like I'm the fine with that. When you play, when you play Gino, they just don't so, react whatsoever. And that was like what made Gino fun. And so I think they need to find something new. It doesn't necessarily have to be the wave, but right, um, I'm right. Yeah, I mean, you something got, different. You got to understand where I'm coming from. So I, I'm coming from a family. My uncle, one time, I was at a game. My uncle invented the wave. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the people in front of us stood up, like, 
two or three times to cheer and and he 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 let them know down in front like sit your ass down we're we're going to be sitting today we're going to be watching basketball we are not going to be standing here i i am going to be sitting my ass in this seat and enjoying basketball so i i come from a family where the basketball is enough the bells a family of sitters we we don't necessarily need that stuff and uh the wave but yeah obviously I, I was i was mostly kidding about the wave but like, i'm not a wave fan but i i did not think the city of boston needs to feel a total shame over that but <laughs> but people for some reason thought i was a hundred percent serious and uh my mentions for like I, I i swear to god for like two days i was getting taunted about the wave and my take on the wave <laughs> it was like like nothing else um for some reason, there are some ardent wave supporters out there. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with those people too. I like I'm usually anti it, but in that moment, I thought it was a it was a good wave out of nowhere. And I agree, I have no problem changing Gino because I do think it is very KG centered. But you can't just replace it with the wave. That's that's a bridge too far. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I realized the error was a wild as soon as I as soon as I said it. <laughs> The one other note I have from last night, and I don't want to um, – it was KG night, and I, so I feel bad bringing this up, but he did make a major mistake when the ball got stuck above the backboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. He yeah. refused to be the guy to knock it down with the broom. No, and I'm with It would have been electric. It would have been a banana factory or whatever the saving is. It would have been fantastic. And he had a chance. The ball boy who's been there for years, like offered him the broom and he didn't want to do it. I offered him the broom I, twice. Like like went up, KG said no, the crowd went crazy. He turned back, gave him a second chance. Still no. It was disappointing. I, res- I respected that, it so much. I'm not, how much I'm not your ball boy. That, that's another moment that the crowd was ready to go fucking bonkers. That could have changed the game. It might That's be Katie's fault that the Celtics lost to the Mavericks, honestly. <laughs> I don't hate that angle either, but in the moment, <laughs> in the moment, like, KG, like, I think the funny part to me is he genuinely thought about it. Like, he understood what the moment would be, and he still said no. That's why he was like, listen, man, I have $200 million. I, you do not. I, You can get the fucking ball. I'm, I'm going to sit here. Like, it was just so <laughs> funny how much he weighed the pros and cons before ultimately being like, I got enough crowd service today. I don't need to do this, too. He was fully aware of how much the crowd wanted to do it, and it takes tremendous amount of self-discipline, not not to be like, just make 20,000 people go insane. I mean, I think part of it too, is it's really hard for KG to be that close to a court and not like start like playing. I think he was like, if I get up and get this ball, I'm checking in and I don't care what the rules are. <laughs> I, I swear that stretch in the first half when Jalen dunked and then like a, a minute later ish Tatum went to the hoop and the Mavericks called a timeout. I, I, <laughs> I was pretty sure we were going to see KG just tear his shoot <laughs> off <laughs> and end up on the court somehow. Was that the yeah. best in-game dunk in the post-KG era? Like, I can't think of a better dunk I've seen in person from the Celtics. The Tatum on LeBron in the playoffs because it was a playoffs because it was LeBron because it was game seven. 
that. But, but it wasn't like on kid, him. It was like kind of a it was LeBron adjacent dunk. Yeah, Jalen's dunked on Giannis many times in very cool ways. He's dunked on LeBron, actually on LeBron. Um, I, it, it, I don't know that it was necessarily better than the one he had. It was cleaner. It was cleaner in his hand, but I don't know that it was better than the one on Mo Bamba a few months ago. The KG yeah, the aspect he... changed it, though. Like, that For sure. it up another notch. Definitely. KG being there and Jalen deciding – you know what? I, I am not going to get back on defense right away. But he did. I, he did get on defense. I, I, <laughs> I, I am going to, to slap five with with this lunatic in the front row first <laughs> before I before I go back. That that part ratcheted up, and also KG loved it. Like KG, oh, yeah. there were parts of that game. Um, Fuck that white boy. There was there was a moment with like five minutes left. I think. Peyton Pritchard's three rimmed out. Yeah. And I shit you not, because I, I was watching KG partially just to, like, see what was going on during the game, what the vibe was like, whatever. He shook his head for, like, a full minute after that. <laughs> like, he was just he was just devastated that Peyton Pritchard's three rimmed out and did not go in. Like, he was so into that game. He wanted that win probably more than anyone on the court did. Definitely more. I mean, we, we saw how little they really wanted it. After, like, but this is also, it speaks to Adam Silver's NBA. David Stern would have ended the game and we would have had the ceremony around uh, Maxi Cleaver's corpse. Uh, like that's, that's how that game would have ended in David Stern's NBA. Adam Silver makes you play the, the other 30 minutes of the game. Like it's just disgusting. What about Mark, the foul slash not foul on Marcus Smart? That was uh I wasn't sure whether that would be overturned or not. I don't know how they overturned that. Obviously, I was. I didn't get to hear Steve Javi from that bunker they hold him in. Uh, uh, the referees are very handsome, and they always make the right decision, <laughs> and that's Steve Javi checking in. Yeah, like that. I don't know what he had to, but he clearly hit it. Like, it was a Marcus sell for sure. Like, it, the, the contact from Luca didn't knock him down as he sold it, but he definitely hit his hand. I don't know. How they well, Luca like, said after the game that like he's been hit on the hand a bunch and refs haven't called it and so especially after contact and he so that's how he knew it wasn't going to be like upheld because like I think people tweeting at me are, like the rule is technically if you look at rule A B twelve uh like if you make a high five after the the shot it's not supposed to be a foul. I think so the contact was clearly there. I just don't honestly. Secaucus was sitting there saying it would be a crime to have OT before Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement ceremony. So overturn this motherfucker and let's get on with with life. I guess, but like, a they knew it was going to be a jump ball. They knew Rob wasn't going to lose that. I was actually, I didn't realize in the moment. Emay called timeout. I think if he lets that go, that's a clear path. Like. They were very much trying to intentionally foul Tatum with the ball so he didn't get a three off. But he was the only one, like, they fouled him from behind. Uh, I think it was Dorian Finney-Smith. If they, if Ime doesn't call that time, and I'm not putting the loss on him. I know people always want to jump all over him. But if he doesn't call that time out, I genuinely think that's a clear, like, I don't know how that's not a clear path foul. I don't know if the refs have the stones to call a clear path foul (laughs) on that one. But also, I think Dimwitty tried to foul Tatum on the actual final play of the game, like on the catch, and they didn't call that one either. 
this is a, a clusterfuck to end the game. Yeah, it just sort of ended. Like it, we, <laughs> oh, it, oh, I guess I guess this is done now. Let's sit here for another half hour and do nothing until the ceremony starts. Yeah, I uh, I was there with uh, the newest DraftKings employee Jared Gravis, and um, I was asking him how he thought it compared to like how the Red Sox do retirement Did you call him a traitor? Huh? Did you call him a traitor? Yeah, me and where he's very much Ray Allen in my life right now, like 2012 Ray Allen. Um, so maybe in a decade we'll be pals again. But I was asking him how he thought it compared to Red Sox ones, which obviously I've, I've been to with Jim's brother uh, oh, yeah. somehow. Um, and he thought the Celtics were did a better job than the Red Sox, but I – for sure. I don't, I, I don't know. There was like a showmanship aspect of the Red Sox. And I also appreciate that the Red Sox do theirs before the game. I do think the, after the game, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously I've never had to run a production like that, so I don't know the best way to do it, but it, it did feel like it took an exceptionally long time to put 11 chairs out on the court. Well, they also needed the media and the media was doing post-game press conferences. True. True. Good point. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm sure all the email quotes you used in your post-game story about the game were uh, pantomimes. Yeah, the uh, the game story was <laughs> actually I, we didn't even write a game story. So <laughs> right, so yeah, no one gave a shit. Yet. The my favorite was uh, the Celtics, like the current Celtics sitting in the back row, like a bunch of like high school youths, like troublemakers, and just like being forced <laughs> to sit out there. I thought that was very funny. The the one part of the KG experience we did not talk about was when he addressed the current Celtics team, and he said, "Keep kicking ass, keep sharing the ball, or, so, or keep playing together." <laughs> That's the only advice KG would ever give. I feel like, like just just keep kicking ass, keep playing together. Like those are the two things that matter in this entire world. That's it to him. Not like, wrong. I mean, it feels like the once the Celtics started kicking ass this year and started sharing the ball, things really came together for them. That's that's the, the two things you need in life: or kick ass, play together. Now, would like that would, tattoo? Would Uncle King have stood up for that Jalen dunk? No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> he, 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 he Lay it off the glass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, points. two points is two points. He would have been sitting there with one leg folded over the other. A, That's what a, I pictured. A Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin Donuts mug in his hand, and he, he would br- not he brought have a had mug a reaction. To the, game? <laughs> the only time he's, he ever showed real emotion, so he was a referee, and oh. uh, so he knew all the referees by name. And, <laughs> and he would wait until the entire gym was silent, and then he would stand up and scream, Hey, Sean, you fucked up that call in the first quarter or whatever it was. <laughs> hey, Sean, that and one was bullshit. Like, he would wait till the whole gym was quiet. And he knew these guys, like, they were his friends. And he would still <laughs> torture them to that extent. I respect uh, that. It, it was majestic. And, uh... <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I think that's where we're going we're gonna to have to end. Coley Mick. Thank you for uh, for joining us, the uh, editor in chief of Barstool Sports. Uh, You're the only on... person ever to pay to be on our podcast, so I appreciate <laughs> that. 
It's true. It's a, you guys are worth a dollar. I'll, I, I've said that often. You guys can be like Coley too and pay a dollar and subscribe to The Athletic and um, probably join us on one of these athletic rivalries. rooms. I'm not going to give you the stage for the entire episode, but uh, maybe a question or two here or there. You can also read uh, the great Jay King's work there uh, as well. Please subscribe to everything that people do on podcasts. And uh, Coley, I guess the question is for you. Is Jay King's uncle belittling referees? Is, is that potable? Let me see. Carry the seven. I mean, I would argue anything. Anything is potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.